This week's performance anxiety goes into a little uncharted territory for us. We enter the world of new age and ambient music. But don't worry, it's not all just hanging out in your mom's 79 sob listening to Andres Volmeter. Dallas Acids, Christian Havens, and Michael Gurner show us that it's also about traveling culinary experiences, projection cube concerts, and redoing the soundtrack to Nosferatu. It's also about doing heavy metal covers in the ambient New Age style. So join us because this was a very, very fun conversation with two really great guys who specialize in a genre of music I really didn't know anything about until I spoke with them. So please enjoy Christian Havens and Michael Gurner from Dallas Acid on this week's Performance Anxiety. I'm Christian Havens from Dallas Acid, trying to get over my performance anxiety on performance anxiety. Is that okay? That's perfect. Michael, do you want to... Uh, does everybody say that? Uh, 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 this is Michael from Dallas Acid, and you're listening to performance anxiety. Awesome. And no, nobody ever says that. I'm going to be right back. I'm going to grab the charger for the thing real quick. Where are you at? I am in Virginia. Oh, nice. I'm in uh, Winchester, some right on the West Virginia border, almost uh, directly 90 miles west of D.C. Okay. So, And you guys are in Texas, right? Texas, yeah. yeah. Austin. Okay. We played Richmond uh, not too long ago. Oh, we really? really good. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> that's a little bit of a haul for me, but it's not. Yeah. Terrible. <laughs> I mean, it's like uh, like three hours. So DC's closer. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, we played a really good show there too. Oh yeah, at the Black Cat. Oh, Black Cat's really cool. Yeah, I've only been there a couple times. Um, I don't even remember who I saw, but it was they were it was a an interesting little place. It's and uh, nine thirty club's always a great place. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, I hadn't been to the new Black Cat since. Now, well, I, I played at the old one a long, long time ago. Yeah, cool. yeah, they they actually Black Hat and Nine Thirty Club both switch change locations yeah. over the past few years. But yeah, all right, it's getting Excuse a little me. brighter in here yeah. and uh, plugged in. So <laughs> yeah, perfect. Yeah, yeah let's do but, it. Uh, I appreciate you guys coming on, and I thank you guys so much. Yeah, absolutely. Happy and, to be here. Oh, and and it's funny because I was. I had spoken with, uh, not really spoken, I guess emailed with Howard, Howard Wolf, mm-hmm. and um, like, hey, I want you to talk to these, to these, to this band, uh, Dallas Acid. All right, cool. Uh, what do they? What what kind of music is it? And he's like, oh, it's kind of like a new age ambient. I'm like, wow, I don't know anything about that. I'm like, all right, let yeah, I, I want to talk to him. Just let me, let me get into it a little bit. Let me let me see what it's like because I don't know anything yeah. about that I, I, that's yeah that's so it, it's such a new uh, realm for me so i said give me a little time so i can and, and he sent me the, the music I'm like all right let me digest it first a little bit so i can get used yeah. to it so not all my questions are idiotic so <laughs> so we'll see where it goes from here yeah let's, let's just let's wing it and see what happens <laughs> all right so you either you two play uh synths in the band right and um Linda Beecroft is the percussionist. Percussionist and vocalist. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And I, I got to tell you, with the last name Beecroft, that, the only thing I could think she would ever be would be like a superhero librarian or in an ambient New Age band. Yeah. It was like the only two <laughs> options she could have. <laughs> Absolutely. And that a perfect name for, for what she does. But 
how did you guys all meet up? Uh, well, Michael and I are old friends uh, from Austin, just growing up in the music scene here in the early to mid 90s. And, uh, you know, Michael had some bands. I, I don't even remember really how we met, just being at the same shows, you know, okay. and seeing each other. And at one point, uh, I, I, I told him, you know, I'm putting together a band. I heard you were putting together a band. And that band turned into about 40 other bands before <laughs> we became uh, Dallas Acid. <laughs> and uh, basically, uh, we were in, uh, we were living in New York. Um, and uh, I guess it was 2014, uh, 2013, 2014. And uh, basically, Linda, Linda's band, uh, Golden Animals, had a practice space down the hall from uh, where we were staying and uh, kind of living at the time. Okay. <laughs> so uh, basically, we, we kind of met there and, and we started playing, uh, you know, just to pass the time at, uh, at the practice space. And then uh, I ended up moving back to Austin and uh, Michael and Linda uh, decided to come out a few months later and uh so we just kind of picked it up and probably scheduled scheduled to show a little maybe too early in the game and uh <laughs> and just kind of got on stage and went for it you know not really prepared uh you know to fill up you know 30 minutes or whatever it was we had basically i think two songs at that point uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we tried to stretch them out as long as we could yeah. and uh you know we uh figured we need a lot more practice so we kind of went back to the drawing board and uh you know started writing some songs and i guess the last the last couple of albums are are more in a traditional songwriting uh uh you know style How did you guys get into new age and ambient? And and you gotta you've gotta forgive me. Like I said, I don't know a whole lot about this genre. Some people I know some people might not like those genres. I mean, are you guys? What is the difference between the two? Is there a difference? I mean, you know, the, the difference is uh, is pretty um, minimal or significant, depending, I guess, on what camp you're in. I mean, you know, ambient music traditionally. Uh, refers to to music that is almost like background music you know it's so sort of subtle in the environment and the atmosphere that you're in and uh new age is more about uh you know uh healing uh the soul and 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 sort of you know expressing the joys of existence uh you know as well as sort of uh uh trying to heal the sorrows i guess you know it's uh sort of physical i guess uh spiritual genre of music uh okay. you know uh, <laughs> so it sounds like you, you you put your you guys in the new age category well for this last record uh we worked with uh laraji and uh archie archie oceanata pardon me uh and they are uh new age musicians ambient new age uh laraji has has been at it since you know uh the 70s at least maybe even before that yeah. uh and so he's he's kind of one of the innovators of, of you know, both genres. Uh, and and, you know, I guess our music falls sort of somewhere in between that and, you know, sort of uh, 
pop music uh, to some degree, or, or very weird uh, pop music, maybe. <laughs> um, <laughs> Michael and I, you know, we, we grew up listening to a lot of punk music and, you know, heavier, you know, stuff. Uh, okay. I grew up outside of San Antonio, so it was like pretty much all like Black Sabbath and Iron Maiden for me as, as a youngster. But, uh, you know, I... And both of us, and we didn't know each other at the time, but we both uh, were introduced to the works of like Brian Eno, uh, you know, at a yep. at, at a fairly young age, you know, when we were still in high school, and um, he had done a, a record with Laraji uh, in 1980 called Dave Radiance that uh, was really fantastic, and uh, we were on tour with uh, Dead Meadow on the East Coast. Oh, I love uh, Dead Meadow. Yeah, they're they're so wonderful. Yeah. They're such talented musicians and great people as well um and uh yeah so we 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 our tour ended in new york uh and then so we uh we had a uh a show scheduled with uh laraji a few basically the we both really you know we already knew his music but uh he he really kind of dug what we did and we went into the studio the next day and uh you know recorded for eight hours or so and uh this uh record uh Arrive Without Leaving is kind of the, the, the product of that, uh, of those works. How, how hard is it to edit? eight hours of of an ambient jam into what, like six or seven songs yeah basically yeah you're kind of reducing uh multiple hours of stuff down to like 40 minutes or so basically <laughs> two sides of an lp so yeah i mean there was a lot a lot of listening for um you know by the end of the session we were so exhausted and you know it was the end of tour so we didn't really listen to it till, uh, you know, we got back uh, about a week later, two weeks later. And, uh, yeah, we just listened to all of the all of the recordings uh, as much as we could over the next like three or four weeks. And Laraji and RG also uh, did the same thing. And we all just kind of communicated by email and, and phone and, and all came up with sort of our our best moments and, uh, you know, talked about how those could be kind of uh, laid out in some kind of cohesive structure that made uh, somewhat of a sense, but really kind of represented some of the different, uh, some of the different, you know, dynamics that we were, we were getting that day. So. so you'd mentioned you guys listening to punk metal, uh, sludgy stuff like black Sabbath <laughs> back when you guys were younger, what was, and, and but then being introduced to Eno, what was mm-hmm. that moment where you just decided I'm not going to do punk. I'm not yeah. going to do Black Sabbath riffs. I'm, I want to do ambient stuff. I think, yeah, we had just played in so many guitar bands, like, you know, for a decade or so before we decided to pick up the synthesizers. And, uh, you know, we had we had been getting, you know, we, we loved, like, you know, all the old Krautrock stuff, you know, and... Craftwork and Klaus Schultz and Tangerine Dream and Cluster and and they were big influences on us and um, yeah I mean at one point I know I started kind of messing with synthesizers uh, more I was 
doing a construction job for a while and I broke uh broke my my uh fingering hand on you know for guitar and oh, so yeah. I couldn't play and so I just uh I started writing stuff on this cheap little Casio keyboard and and recording and stuff <laughs> Michael uh was coming over and hanging out and putting in stuff and then we decided hey let's get some real gear and and you know get a, a recording project going and that was basically uh sort of where Dallas Acid started and and where did that name come from well it's uh you know, it doesn't really mean anything uh, in particular. It's just kind of an old uh, inside joke uh, between me and Michael going back, uh, you know, to um, some crazy, crazy times uh, when we were in Dallas uh, hanging out. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, that's, that's what this show is about, getting those great stories. Yeah. So, um, I, I'm going to bring this back up again because I think this could be a great idea. And you guys tell me if I'm, if I'm full of shit or something. You guys list, grew up listening to punk and Black Sabbath and all that. Has anybody ever done an ambient New Age album of metal tracks? Well, <laughs> it's funny you should say that. <laughs> We've been working on kind of a secret project of, uh, you <laughs> know, news. Uh, maybe some reworkings of some of our favorite uh, metal classics. Uh, oh. we'll just, uh, but I don't want to say any more. We're going to have some guest... Uh, uh, a few guest musicians uh, making appearances and stuff, but oh, uh, nice. you know, it's uh, it's something that uh, that is, that is very hard to uh, sort of transcribe. Maiden uh, <laughs> yeah. and Sabbath riffs into uh, you know uh, a modular uh, sequencer and, and that kind of thing. So you come out with a very different uh, product that you think that what you're going in uh, <laughs> in for, but. Uh, <laughs> So far, so good. I'll just say that. <laughs> oh man, I'm now. I'm all right. So now you've sold me on New Age. I'm in. I'm in all the way. You guys have. You you seem to be like from what I was reading. Uh, I've been reading some articles about you, trying to do some prep uh, in in the little bit of time because I unfortunately still have a day job, so I've got to do my prep at home yeah. with the kids running around, and you know when my boss isn't looking and all that kind of crap. But you guys have done some really weird shows and 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 some strange spaces um yeah yeah can you tell me uh, can you guys tell me a little bit about some of these like uh monkey town and the nosferatu soundtrack and how do you how do you get involved in this stuff well you know oh, you we, guys were looking at each other like no you tell them no you tell them <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah how do we explain this uh yeah we you know our first couple of shows were in uh kind of rowdy you know, Austin Sixth Street bars, uh, very much like metal bands, surf, surf rock bands, uh, you know, all, you know, psych bands and, you know, and then, you know, we're kind of doing this weird uh, ambient thing. And and uh, it's just it's so weird. I mean, not that, you know, we, we got heckled too much uh, in the early days, but, uh, you know, every time. But, uh <laughs> You know, it's really uh, it's really hard to play this kind of music for people who are out, you know, on the weekend to have a beer and, and that kind of thing. Um, or at least uh, what we were doing at that time was I think a lot of we, we've kind of figured out um, some some we have a few songs that are probably more appropriate for that environment, I'll say. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, so we were just looking for other interesting, cool things, you know, uh, environments to to kind of do this and and we always wanted to kind of 
create a whole, uh, you know, visual element, you know, lighting and, and, and creating just an atmosphere that, that went with the music that was maybe a little more relaxed, you know, places where people could sit down and, and just kind of stare off. And, and one of those was at, uh, at a, um, monkey town, um, monkey town was this, uh, experimental, uh, video cube that, you know, you had, uh, four screens you were surrounded by that were projecting, uh, films and things. And, and basically, uh, the audience sat around uh, a table that made up the inner perimeter of this cube. And, uh, we were sort of in the middle of all these people, uh, while they were being served uh, a five course gourmet meal from a, a local chef. Uh, we did a, one in Austin and then one in uh, LA. And, and then we, uh, basically have sort of a, a 20 minute or so, uh, performance, uh, in the middle of this, uh, big elaborate meal. And, and they're, uh, basically showing, uh, various, you know, kind of art films and, and, and short experimental films, by you know, uh, art films. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and we showed our film as yeah. well. <laughs> yeah. We made a, um, yeah, we made a film, film for it. Uh, and that we kind of, you know, played the, the soundtrack to basically was, uh, the last one, it was, it was called Beamers and Bloody Marys. And, uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of had a, a, you know, a spy theme with, uh, you know, bit of a luxury. yeah luxury <laughs> luxury <laughs> so when you're doing this did they did you guys get fed too oh yeah yeah oh. we uh we got to try you know samples a few uh gourmet uh, meals ourselves and uh you know oh, wines as well which yeah. was very nice before <laughs> so did, uh, twice a night yeah basically we did two weeks so it was nice yeah to so really just cool. be able to keep everything set up Mm-hmm. And just really, by the end, really hone in on the performance itself. You guys also uh, collaborated with Paz Lenchiton from the Pixies and Perfect Circle to yeah. uh, redo the to do a, a musical soundtrack to the original Nosferatu. Yeah, mm-hmm. how did that come about, and, and how did you come up with the music for that? Well, <laughs> Paz got invited. Yeah, Paws was initially invited, I guess, by the uh, Blue Starlight uh, Drive-In Theater here in Austin. Um, and uh, basically, she's a friend and, and said, hey, you know, do you guys uh, want to do this with me? Uh, and uh, we were like, yeah. We started, uh, you know, fresh. We did. We tried not to listen to any. I think there's a couple of different soundtracks out there, um, you know, uh, that, are, that are traditionally uh you know, put, uh, with the, with the DVDs or, or releases today. But so we tried to just not listen to that and just take it as, you know, as though it was just a completely new experience. And, and, uh, yeah, basically we, uh, spent about four or five weeks kind of writing material and just watching the film over and over again. Yeah, and maybe it was three months. Yeah, I don't it know. Took a long, it took a long time. I remember. <laughs> I, I think it was still summer when we started, and then we finally performed it on Halloween. Oh, yeah, uh, wow. at the at the drive-in theater, you know, with uh, you know, 
set up in front of the screen and everything. And everybody was, uh, you know, in their cars with the radio broadcast. Uh, it was really, it was really cool. It was, uh, it was a totally unique thing. That, was that recorded and released or is that just a live performance that you guys did? It was a live performance, but, uh, we started recording it at that, you know, at that moment that, you know, we were coming up with it just, just to help ourselves remember, you know, that that's smart. Here. Um, but yeah, we, um, we, we've basically been completing that this year and, uh, hopefully we'll, it'll be out next year. We may wait till Halloween to, to finally, uh, just have a release. And since it's, uh, you know, um, a public domain film, we'll, probably release the the whole video thing that so. that would be so cool because i was looking up some of you the uh music and the, the the videos on youtube and i found like a three minute clip of oh yeah of that. <laughs> and it's, yeah that, that, that's just the the main theme i guess uh, uh that we came up with uh and that was our little teaser for uh to get people out the show so that was really cool i really liked it uh, that was i would love to hear the entire thing Awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we can't wait for it to come out. I think, uh, I think it'll be a really cool thing that a lot of people should really like, hopefully. Anyway. So you, you got, okay. So that's two strange spaces and, and shows that have worked out really well. I know you guys have had some that haven't. Give, give me one, <laughs> give me one that hasn't worked out so well. Oh, the palms. Yeah, you know, we did a show at the Palms in uh, 29 Palms out in, you know, near Joshua Tree out in the desert right. uh, a few years back. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, I think this was a this, yeah, this was very early on. And, and our, our music, which was a lot less uh, structured, a lot more free floating and uh, flowing and uh, well, floating too. <laughs> I think uh, it vibed uh, 100% chemically with everybody that was out there at the desert uh, that night. Uh, classic, uh, classic uh, heckling uh, oh. case. It was awesome. But we persevered, you know, and, uh, you know, by the end of it, I think that we had sort of tamed the beast somewhat. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good. Uh, no, nobody beat us up or smashed our equipment. So I guess it was a success. <laughs> so how do you how do you find the crowds between the the uh, punk shows and, and the rock shows that you guys used to attend and, and with the bands you were in compared mm. to the ambient new age shows that you guys do now? How is there a big big? I can only imagine there's a huge difference, but I'm not on stage, so. Yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely different. I think, you know, there's a, there's a weird sort of crossover where a lot of, uh, a lot of people that were into to metal and, and punk music, uh, when they were younger kind of, you know, they kind of dig what we do, I think. Uh, you know, it's, um, it's not, it's not, you know, totally pure and, 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 you know, uh, <laughs> all the time. And, uh, so I think there's a little bit of an edge to it. But uh, yeah, it does seem like there's a big crossover, and then also everyone from that scene, as they've gotten older, their spectrum of musical tastes have kind of expanded to at this point. That makes sense. A lot of younger kids who are really into this genre of music that wasn't really around. I think we were like one of ten weirdos in Austin who were into this. Say like 
early nineties okay. yeah. of our, our age bracket at least. So I feel like I, I'm always surprised, uh, with the audience's reactions kind of see, cause a lot of times you're like, Oh, I don't know if this is going to work out. Any, any ambient mosh pits or anything? <laughs> no, not yet. Uh, no. <laughs> However, we do encourage ambient mosh pits as long as they're in really slow mode. <laughs> so you're seeing a, a good crossover of younger people attending your shows, then. Yeah, yeah, we get we get a lot of um, a lot of younger people. Uh, I think in Austin, it you know you just. There's a lot of young people uh, in a college town uh, and all, but uh, yeah, the the younger uh, generation is definitely uh, into electronic music and uh, ambient music and kind of rediscovering new age music, you know, from a different perspective, I think, than our generation. When we were young, new age music was kind of what, you know, old hippies listened to. And, yeah, and Yanni and... Yeah, exactly. I remember. I remember my mom got a sob, and she was driving around in her nice little sob, listening to Andres Volenweeder, and I yeah. like. <laughs> and and that's see, and that, it's funny because that when when uh, Howard got up with me to to see if he wanted to talk to you, that's the first thing that popped into my head. Like, yeah. Wow. All right. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta, re- I gotta check these guys out. I gotta research this before I agree to it. And then I, he sent me the music, and like. Now this isn't that. This is really this is really interesting. And I've I yeah. I found something dangerous about your music. <laughs> yeah. I, I would listen to it while I'm at my day job. And I what I guess what most people would imagine is that you sit there and it's it's so relaxing and quiet that you you know, you relax and you fall asleep maybe. But that's not mm-hmm. what would happen. I, I found myself just thinking about other stuff like, like I would be doing my job and, and, and one of the tracks from the new album would come on and I'm I just start thinking of, of, of a movie instead like, like yeah. it, it became a soundtrack to a movie that hasn't that I'm just making in my own head at the time So I found myself like drifting off, thinking about, you know, having this music in my head. And I'm thinking about, yeah, this makes me think of like, that I, I, I'm in a, a market somewhere and I'm, I'm doing, and then like 15 minutes have passed and all of a sudden like my coworkers are staring at me. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, what? And like, you haven't moved in like 15 minutes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Back, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> track two. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. But yeah, and that's hopefully if we're doing what we do the right way, it should sort of inspire. I think you know that kind of uh, imagination and, and you know sort of journey and and very you know inspire a lot of visual uh, visual things inside your head, you know, uh, hopefully <laughs> it certainly has for me. And then, so I got, I just got to, it's definitely on, on a rotation at, at work for me. So fortunately I get to keep my headphones on at work so I can, yeah. I can listen to whatever. I just got to make sure that I stay focused. 
Right. <laughs> otherwise, otherwise, I'm going to be looking for a new job here soon. Um, <laughs> well, hopefully that's not our fault. <laughs> <laughs> if, we hey, would feel really terrible if that happened. If not, I might be moving to Austin and, and be a court, an ambient, ambient quartet. I don't yeah. know what I'll do, but... Yeah. Okay, so that, that, that makes me... That jogged my memory a little bit. Linda, she does the vocals. Now, yeah. the vocals in the in the music are low, and they're it, it's not. I can't really in in what I've been listening to, I can't make out the vocals. Is that is, is that uh, using them more as part of the music, and instead of like in punk music to make a statement or, or uh, right heavy metal I, to just scream at people. <laughs> yeah, it's different for for different songs and and uh the the last record that we did with Laraji I don't think has any vocals or if it does it's very very subtle background uh you know just kind of using the voice as uh as a backing instrument to everything that's going on but uh you know the the record that uh we've been working on that, that should be out in you know probably March I'm hoping um it features a lot more sort of traditional vocal, I guess, style. Uh, okay. It's uh, it's very much more present in the mix. Oh, okay. So, and and that's one thing that I've noticed in the genre is that from what my limited experience and exposure to it is that there aren't just aren't a whole lot of vocals. So. Yeah. We um, we we kind of slowly worked the vocals in. Um, you know, we we were just strictly an instrumental band for the first several years um and then you know linda has an incredible voice so we just started encouraging her to sing more <laughs> and uh you know and now i think she sings on almost every song on the on the forthcoming record anyway but okay. uh and the new album is arrive without leaving is there any significance to the title or is it just something that sounded really good at and, the end of the day, and what are you the, drinking? Because I I'm out of I'm out of liquor at my house, and I have to drink vicariously through everybody right now. Oh, yeah. right on! I'm I'm drinking a Dale's Pale Ale uh, right now. See, this, this is, oh no! I was Did down you? I was down to a plastic bottle of Jim Beam, and it was I, I finished it last uh, last week with our sports show, and I just ended up tossing it. <laughs> I'm done. I got to go get some more. Yeah. So all right, so are you guys more beer guys or whiskey guys? Beer, wine, whiskey, sometimes. Um, Linda doesn't really drink, but uh, yeah, Michael. Tequila. Uh, Michael's a big tequila and uh, uh, sal. And uh, wine. Yeah, like mezcal. <laughs> <laughs> there you uh, go. Yeah, uh, you know, I I'm, I don't really say no to to many of uh, the alcohols. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, You're all welcome. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> just like just like ambient music, everybody's welcome. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, I'm right there with I'm a, I'm a new I'm a recent convert to good tequila. So you guys got me with that one. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. I love good tequila. And uh if you ever get out to LA, you got to check out my uh, the other podcast, the uh Eric, the co-host, he just opened up a whiskey bar out there, so. Oh, right on. So if you ever go out, if you ever go out to Hollywood, to LA, go to the Rye Fox. All right, the Rye Fox. Well, then. Yeah. yeah. Wait, wait. I'm, I'm gonna get yelled at. It's just Rye Fox. Sorry. Oh, Rye Fox. I, I got okay. chastised last week for saying the Rye Fox. So. Uh, so. Um. So anyway, okay. So we were asking. I was asking you about significance of the title "Arrive Without Leaving." Okay. So yeah, 
arrive without leaving at the at the very end of the session. You know, we had been going for all day. You know, seven hours or something at that point. Oh, yeah. and, uh, for the most part, we had we had stopped playing, but the you know the tape was still going, and uh, it was it was basically something that Laraji just started singing uh, freestyle at the end. Oh wow! Uh, and uh, it, what, I think it was. There's no way. To arrive. to arrive without leaving uh, while, we <laughs> while we were packing up all of our gear. So uh, <laughs> it, was, it was kind of a funny thing. And, you know, we'd get to the end of the tape and, you know, we had been listening back to everything and, and it just kind of stuck out as a really good title for the, uh, for the session. So uh, that, kind of, that got <laughs> recorded him actually him singing that a little bit. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Okay, so good. It's like the very last thing on the tape. It's uh, of course, <laughs> You, you guys are playing for eight hours. Finally, the, you you pack up the, the last thing. I, hey, there the la, eight. It took us eight hours to get to this point. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so now you guys are being synths and percussion. You guys don't get to move around on stage a whole hell of a lot. So not not really. Every once in a while, Michael and I might uh, switch keyboards or something, uh, you know. But that's about as exciting <laughs> as it gets. We pretty much don't move at all. Uh, <laughs> well, that's good because I've I've had guests on before who I've asked them what's the worst thing that's happened to them on stage, and I've had guys break their feet. I had uh, somebody you know uh, trip over some instruments. Uh, yeah. That broke his bass. Um, uh -huh. During a I've show, fall off stage more than one time. Uh, somehow, <laughs> just sitting there. I don't. I don't know. But it's happened. I'm just gonna admit it. People have gotten on video. Embarrassing. Uh, but uh, yeah, even even ambient bands can uh, fall off stage if things get too exciting. <laughs> oh, all right. And so now I've got something to. I've got a YouTube hole to go down. Yeah. <laughs> I find Christian falling off stage. Let's see. Now, you mentioned that when you guys were first starting out, a lot of your stuff was improvised and all. Um, do you still find yourselves improvising on stage or is most of your show now uh, planned out and, and ready to go before you hit the stage? It's mostly planned out. We do have, you know, certain songs and certain sections of songs, which we do, you know, have completely sort of like live interpretations um but it also depends on on the show uh this uh sunday we're going to be playing uh like a yoga meditation tea room uh that's going to be 100 percent improv uh we've we've actually been practicing on that all day just kind of getting some ideas of what kind of sounds to use and and that kind of thing so do yeah. still uh, do a lot of improv but uh yeah it's kind of a uh uh a structured chaos kind of thing. We, we generally have some, some ideas and some riffs and then kind of know when to, to bring it, you know, to take it out there and then when to kind of rein it back in, I guess. So, so do you guys ever get lost while you're jamming on stage and have the other <laughs> two kind of stare at you? Like, where, where are you going? It's happened. It's happened. To, you know, it happens less and less, but, uh, <laughs> you know, um, we've played some fairly big, uh, festivals where uh you know there's <laughs> there's been you know a few moments where you know you can't it's everything's so loud you can't always hear yourself you don't know what's going on and, uh, and you know luckily uh, at that point uh in our 
you know, songwriting or whatever, you could you could cover up those kinds of mistakes pretty easily. <laughs> It wasn't as obvious that you weren't playing the right song anymore. Whatever. <laughs> well, that's good. I guess. Um, I guess maybe it's. Uh, never mind. I was. I have no idea where I was going with that one. All right. Uh, tell me a little bit about the experience of doing the South by Southwest Westworld experience. How did you get involved in that? And and did you get to shoot people? I mean, have <laughs> the, the show is really cool. So. Yeah. I got a lot of guns pulled on me at Westworld. Uh, <laughs> I probably deserve, deserved it. They they had a, they had an open bar with like practically unlimited uh, whiskey sours. So oh. you know that was uh, that was a lot of fun. But yeah, basically we um, we kind of just got a mysterious email from HBO one day asking, "Hey, keep this under your hat, but like we're going to be doing this thing. We can't tell you much about it, but would you?" like to be a part of it. And we said, absolutely. They didn't even say it was for this world. They just said it was for a major show on HBO. And so, uh, I was like, well, what would they be doing like out in this small town, you know, outside of Austin. Uh, And so we kind of guessed and, uh, immediately just got really excited about that and started writing some material. And, uh, so yeah, for, I guess it was three or four days. Um, we were in this uh, old ghost, ghost town that they had completely, you know, sort of renovated and turned into the um, the city of Stillwater or the town of Stillwater, I should say, yeah. in, the, in the show. And uh, you know, they had uh, they had a full cast of something like 150 actors or something, basically putting on, you know, uh, uh, a live play that you could interact with. Uh, all around the town and and we were uh we were the 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 band at the bar and uh we got to get decked out in full costume and everything oh, and sweet. you know look really you know the part and everything and uh once we got a, a kind of a feel for the uh you know the plot line that was uh developing because uh, we we'd basically do it two or three times a night um you know as they they'd have shifts of people coming in so that it was never too crowded you know, and everybody got to, to see the whole thing. Oh, cool. um, but yeah, so we started kind of ta- uh, catering our uh, our set list to kind of match the action of the of the uh, you know the play, and um, the, it was just it was a great experience. And then you know, basically, it all kind of comes to a head with this big shootout at the end, and uh, basically, they uh, the guys in the suits come out and pick up all of the. Uh, the uh <laughs> the androids that didn't make it uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, and like and we would play a really kind of you know funeral march song uh, as everybody was sort of leaving and then you know wow. started over awesome. one really cool thing that we got to do out there was actually perform a live wedding uh there wow. was a <laughs> there was a couple that got married out there and so we quickly uh, looked up you know the how to play uh, uh, the wedding song. You know the here comes the bride, right. uh, <laughs> like Moog and Mellotron, and just basically threw something together in 15 minutes, and uh, and it actually turned out pretty cool. Um, awesome. Yeah, it was really awesome. They they were in full you know character and full dress, and you know it was it was a spectacular uh, experience, just unforgettable. Something that we we're just so happy and proud to be a part of, really. The the thing that I've I've discovered about this genre of music is that it's it's 
really interesting that you guys are using synthesizers, but the music sounds or really organic. It doesn't sound like craft work or, or anything like that. It's not angular yeah. at all. Do you guys do a lot of research into effects and, and the processors and stuff that you have to use? And uh, what, what's your favorite, your favorite piece of equipment, I guess, that, that you guys own? Yeah. So I guess early on, we kind of figured out some, some tricks uh, and I don't want to reveal too much. (laughs) It's pretty easy to figure out, uh, but you know, we figured out some ways to kind of take the harsh edge off of the synthesizers and kind of give them a more warm uh, organic feeling. And uh, basically we just started, uh, you know, using that as a, as a base started building, uh, you know, more and more pieces to, I guess, the whole spaceship, you know, and, okay. and the biggest thing, the engine that drives the whole thing is this, uh, giant modular that Michael has built that takes up an entire wall of our, uh, of our studio. Oh, and, uh, and we call it the brain. And, uh, yeah, basically, I don't know, but five, six, maybe seven years ago, maybe even longer than that. It might've been 10 years ago. You started building this thing with just, you know, a handful of components. And, uh, now it's this, yeah, it's been it's taking a while to get it to the, the point where it's at now. Okay. I probably started it up in 2005, 2006. We were in LA. Yeah. That was the time. Oh, wow. Yeah. That and, was 2006, right? Yeah. Oh, man. And just gradually been building, building it up. It's, it takes quite a bit of financing to get to this level. So it's taken this, this long. To get there, but now it's actually doing everything that I could imagine I would want it to do, plus more. So, when you guys play live shows, I mean, I mean, I'm imagining you you can't take this thing with you. So, we've taken it twice with us, and after the the first time we took it, we it was a South by Southwest show. Okay. We thought it was going to be a great idea, but it was misting and the humidity just kind of shut everything down. Ooh, yeah. And it was kind of one of those really nerve-wracking moments where you're like, oh, well, that was a really terrible idea. <laughs> and then we brought it out when we played the planetarium in San Antonio, the SCOBY planetarium. Okay. It was just us performing. And we had four hours to set up, and it was temperature-controlled. So in that kind of situation, we were like, let's definitely bring it. But for touring, you just don't have enough time to really set it up. It takes a couple hours to tune all the knobs, hook it all up, um, and still like a hair off, it's going to be considerably different. So you kind of have to like really fine tune it. that's what's really beautiful about the Moogs that we have. Okay. And we're really excited to hopefully get the new Moog one because it's three and three synthesizers in one. Oh, so cool. theoretically we could do what the brain is doing live while uh, performing mm-hmm. uh, the songs as well. Okay. So everything would be completely live. Yeah. Right now, we, we pretty much just rely on uh, loops and samples of the of the brain uh, live and uh, play it from a sampler. I wind this up, and I've been, I've been 
keeping you guys quite a while here, but oh, no worries. Now I know you you mentioned an album that you're working on that you're not going to talk too much about, but is there anyone that you you wanted to collaborate with that you haven't had a chance to yet? Maybe somebody that that fans of Dallas Acid might not expect. Oh, definitely. I mean, so many people. Uh, <laughs> I, I would love to. I have. I don't know how unexpected this would be, but I would love to collaborate with Klaus Schultz. Oh yeah, this has really shaped us musically. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually have one of his albums. Oh yeah, which one? I think it's called Moon yeah. Lake. Moondog. Oh, Moondog. Yeah, yeah brown cover with like a circle on the on the front, it, I think. I don't know. I've got a uh, – this is going to sound weird. I've got – I actually have a promo copy of it. Uh, okay. A friend's aunt worked – or no, no, my friend's dad uh, was uh, vice president of, of Ryko Disc or something. And yeah. like one, once every few months, we would, I'd get me and my – his son and, I, and my buddies, we, we would get a big box of promo discs. And oh, stuff, stuff that just did they didn't it was you know it was a few months old and it had already been it had been released at this point or uh just stuff that i guess went south i don't know but we i would just we would get tons of this stuff and we'd sit there and go through it and go through it and, go, and I, I, that's just one that i kept and it's like oh, the oh. one ambient album that i have and it it's fantastic yeah yeah he was he's such an influence on uh on us i just um you know, the way that he uses his sequencer and, and, well, just everything else. But, you know, it seems like he's using the sequencer to sort of drive the music. It kind of changed the way that we, you know, went about, like, songwriting and stuff. So, um, yeah, being able to collaborate with him would be definitely a dream come true. And, you know, I mean, and, and then there's, of course, you know, all the all the others, uh, you know, Brian Eno, Daniel Lanois. Is anybody... Yeah. And anybody that may be out of the genre, maybe something somebody wouldn't expect, like uh, I almost said Robert Fripp, but I guess that would make too much sense. Um, yeah. Jason Pierce from uh, Spiritualized and oh. Spaceman Three, yeah. also just we a big big influence on us, especially when you know we were younger. Uh, we were really, uh, or I was really into Spaceman Three. I don't want to talk yeah. for Michael, but I know he was uh, <laughs> at one point. Um, but yeah, they were, they were huge influences on us, uh, as well, but especially, uh, the spiritualized stuff after, after Spaceman 3 that, uh, Jason Pierce did. Uh, I love their first two albums, Ladies and Gentlemen, We Were Floating in Space, yeah. and was it Let It Come Down? Those are fantastic. Yeah, yeah they're, they're so good. I, I was lucky enough to see them. I don't know if it was their first American tour, but back in... Uh, I think it was 92 or something. Uh, I was, I was in LA and they were basically opening for the Jesus and Mary chain. And it was just, uh, it was so fantastic. I was already a big fan, but getting them, being able to see them do it live and pull it off. So fantastically, it was just, it was just beautiful, uh, you know, altering experience for me for sure. Oh, that's fantastic. Let me, just ask you guys, where can people find the new album that you've done with Laraji and how can they buy it, download it? So you can get, you can get everything uh, that we've done uh, to this date, uh, I believe, or most everything uh, that's been released, at least in the last few years, at flyingmoonlight.com. 
and that's that's the name of our our record label is uh, Flying Flying Moonlight Records. And do you have any social media accounts where people can follow what you're doing? Oh yeah, you can always go to DallasAcid.com, and that's got links to to everything. Uh, we do we do a pretty pretty uh, pretty much a daily post to Instagram uh, is probably the best way to follow us. Um, and then uh, you know you can find us on uh, Spotify, Bandcamp, uh, Apple Music, uh, all the all the major streaming. Uh, I think most of them anyway. If you wanna if you wanna hear it. Thank you so much for coming on with me tonight. I really do appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, Our pleasure. Thank you. I can let you guys have the rest of your night. Rehearse, drink some tequila, whatever you guys want to do. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah. You guys are always more than welcome to come back on. Um, Thank you, man. Yeah. Our pleasure. If, when, you, when you get that, um, I'm dying to hear some of these, these metal ambient covers <laughs> of some metal tracks. When you guys get that done, I've got to get that. I'm going to send you a sample as soon as uh, as soon as we get something. Oh, yeah, you tracks. So. Please uh, do. I'm real good at secrets. <laughs> <laughs> It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.